0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. I am, of course, the Wookiee with me tonight. I have a stellar cast of Who's What of Big Footy. And uh, joining me, of course, I have Mike from the Bulldogs Board and moderator extraordinaire. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Wookie. I think it's more of a case that no one else wants to come on, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, not, uh, no, no, that's not it at all. <laughs> um, but speaking of people double. that reluctantly came on, <laughs> Kangas... Welcome aboard tonight, mate.
1: Thanks, mate. Always happy to be on, even though <laughs> I've pretty much got press
0: ganged. <laughs> right, so everyone really wants to be here then. Look, there's been some fairly big news coming on, uh, but let's start with what's caught your eye. And uh, Kangas, what's caught your eye this week, Mark?
1: Uh, over the last couple of weeks, then, we didn't have a podcast last week. North Melbourne pushing for a VFL side starting next year, its own VFL side, as well as Jack Zebel wanting to push for North Melbourne home games, Premiership games at Arden Street in the near future. So I'm not sure how that will happen, but I'm very interested by that.
0: VFL side, I can see, but you're not going to get Premiership games at Arden Street in the near future. That's a pipe dream. Oh, it is, but it's, it's, it's a nice dream. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, Essendon will be trying to get him at Windy Hill next. <laughs> well, that's that's carlton have more chance of getting them at princess park and that's not going to happen in the future so <laughs> anyway yeah. uh mike what's caught your honor um yeah, well
2: last year's uh well last year's grand finals sydney and uh triple premier's hawthorne i think what's caught my eye is that i don't think i saw that they'd be in the position they would be so uh And kicking for goal is, uh, once again, it's been absolutely atrocious the last uh, couple of weeks. And and again, this weekend, we saw uh, Joe Deneher have a a good laugh at his misses. But um, I think overall, I mean, we kicked 20 points and we kicked 19 points the last week, or was the other way around? So I don't know what's going on with kicking for goal, but uh, Brendan Favola says he can solve the problem.
0: Well, I I did see last week that he was offering to sign up for Collingwood, but Eddie said he was too fat to even fit between the goalposts, so... It's uh, <laughs> you know maybe he could. I don't. know. He's won, the, he's won the talk, isn't he? Well, he he kicks a lot. Of, he does kick a lot of goals, and he does kick them well. I mean, he's still doing it out in the country out there. I, th- I think he could still kick a few goals, but whether he could actually get the footy in the first place is the big question. So, on the other hand, yeah, jo- yeah that's a good point. On the other hand, Joe Danaher, um, he might need to look into getting some coaching from Sav Rocker. Who is uh, apparently turning around Levi Casbolt's goal kicking? Who's turning into something of a goal kicking superstar uh, this year? i would go that far. But no, yeah. I would. I would. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's he's kicking at nearly seventy percent on uh, accuracy, which isn't too bad. Uh, as uh, they've said on the weekend, better than Jason Dunstall's average. But then again, Dunstall did go on and kick you know thirteen hundred goals. So yeah, you know. It's it's a, a long way from uh, being a good comparison there. What caught my eye this week? The AFL uh, CBA is almost ready to be uh, announced. Apparently, they've given them some extra leeway in the uh, extra increases in the second, third, fourth, and fifth years of the deal. So that looks like it's going to finally come to a close. And the other thing, of course, was the uh, revelation in the age yesterday that the AFL is looking into getting into esports to hold events, uh, computer gaming events. <laughs> Uh, at uh, Eddie Head Stadium, guys.
2: Mm, Not
0: sure about Mm. that one.
2: Not to mention today, there was a a release from the AFL um, about another bloody change to the out-of-bounds to make it uh, Mm. a free kick to the opposition. Um, So if the ball is... So if your team, say for Carlton, is the last one to touch a ball and it goes out via a kick or a handball, it's a... Automatic free kick to the team. So that's a new one, which will uh, obviously stir up some uh, feelings and drama.
0: Well, they've been doing what it in a stu- sand sorry, for the last uh, year, I think. And the AFL was going to wait and see how that went before it did its own. And they what they weren't looking favourably on it the last report a couple of weeks ago. So this is a bit of a surprise. Kangas?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's absolutely stupid, though. Because what is the reasoning to lessen congestion? So why did they get rid of the third man up rule then? Well,
0: it's to lessen stoppages, not congestion. The the, the out-of-bounds thing is about c- keeping the ball in play, not wanting people to go out and okay. have boundary throw-ins every so often. Uh, congestion yeah. is the one. Uh, third man up rule is about injuries, first and foremost, uh, and then about congestion. But it's also... Yeah. Uh, and, and then, you know, they haven't really done anything about congestion for a while now. That's what... The sub rule, you know, the previous sub rule that came and went, that went, and you know, holding the ball interpretations and things like that is supposed to deal with congestion, but it's yep. it's not really been overly successful. Um, well, that's the last time I rely on Big Footy for information. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could I could be wrong. I frequently am, but that's my understanding of what the. Uh, no,
1: that sounds more right than what I was saying. I was only just I've only just looked at Big Footy on it to be honest. I haven't researched it much, but just thinking about it now. It just seems a bit over the top in terms of rules. We have enough rules that the umpires stuff up. Do we really need any more?
2: Well, they have tried this before. They have done this before back in uh, one of the one of the 90s uh, pre-season Lightning Premiership um, experiments. Um, apparently, I can't remember exactly how that fared, but obviously not too well. But uh, there there have been a few points on on the main board regarding well, what happens if you start getting. Uh, opposing players shepherding the ball over the boundary line when it come off the boot or a hand of, of uh, their opposition. You know, I mean, these are the sort of things, and these are the sort of things that players will do. Um, like, again, waiting for the ruck or not contesting the ruck because of the third-man up rule and just waiting for the ruckman to uh, grab it, take possession, pin them for holding the ball or knock it, out the, knock it out on the boundary line for a deliberate.
0: Because players are devious too. I mean, uh, there was a couple couple of instances a few years ago, and I haven't seen any lately, where uh, players were handballing onto the boot of players near the boundary line to get an out-of-bounds on the full. Uh, (laughs) I, I, I saw Mark Murphy do it one week, and then I saw another player do it the next week, and I was like, what's going on there? But, I mean... I I do agree that we do tamper around with the rules too much. It leads to general confusion from spectators and commentators and players alike. Uh, There's no better evidence of that than the rush-behind rule, Um, which is just, who knows what's going on there these days. They actually
1: paid one the other week too. I think it was last week. That's the first time I've actually seen it paid.
0: Well, there was one a couple of weeks ago where a player handballed through from, like, 20 metres out or something, so... Yeah, just just from inside the where which is legal, but the umpire ruled it wasn't. So then yeah. there was it was pretty Callum harsh Mills. penalty.
2: There was Callum Mills for Sydney against the Dogs. He got he got pinged for um, knocking it through when he was actually inside the five yard box, and and so forth. And the other, uh, the other rule, obviously, or the other confusion area now is is you know umpires. Are talking too much um, when they should be focusing on the whistle um, and obviously we saw some confusion in the dogs GWS game and there's been a couple of games where players are hearing the umpire say play on and the whistle's not going off and it's causing some confusion I think the umpires need to stop talking as much as they do and focus more on the whistle and keeping the game going
0: what, what about the Toby what? Green thing on the weekend where the the umpire basically said look we've been watching you for a couple of weeks um, you know, and, and this time you, yeah. you you're finally gone too far, is that? Well, they're not so... the
2: MRP. Their job is to officiate the game and keep the game going. Report an incident if they see it, and just yeah, they're not there to assess an incident, to give commentary to an incident, and engage with the player on it. They should just call it as they said, Yep, I'm reporting you for striking, um,
0: and that's it. Be done with it. Move on. If well, and and the incident itself was worthy of being reported because he did hit him square in the mouth. But uh, yep. Jared Whaley was saying on 360 that, that he was warned about it by the MRP like two weeks ago, or the week before, or something. So there was there was a yeah, warning in play. That, that. Yeah. so if if that's the case, I I, I don't particularly mind. it. I mean, I do believe that you should judge each incident by its merits. But if a player has been specifically warned about his behaviour, um, I also don't have a problem with the umpires keeping an eye on that as well. But it does it, it's it's oh. it's not a good precedent.
2: No, keep look. Keeping an eye, on, keeping an eye on it's one thing. Um, you know, talking about it during the game or, or debating it during the game is another thing. You know, that's that's where I think the umpire went a little bit too far on this one. You know, I don't have any problems with umpires keeping an eye on players who have been just warned by the MRP for you know unruly conduct or whatever it is. But um, there needs to be a line in the sand in terms of what's expected from the umpires in those situations. And they are supposed to be impartial. It's, you know, they're there to enforce the rules um, and not make um, anything more of the situation than what it is. Pay, it, pay the pay the free kick, report the player. Um, if there's a 50-metre penalty, you know, for the severity of the results, so, for, so be it. But, uh, you know, I guess we don't want to see umpires now, you know, going to open discussions with players, especially when they're all mic'd up. Everyone can hear what's going on.
0: I've always had an issue with the umpires calling players by their nicknames and stuff anyway. I I think it's mm. too familiar for the umpires themselves. But then again, the umpires aren't professional. They're not they're not full time. So I mean, how hard can you really be on them in that respect? Should they be made full time? Of course they should. That's a good question. Yeah. They should if they we're should paying
2: be paying players to be full time, we should be paying officials to be full time. Well, want... Why haven't we yet?
0: I've no idea there's never really been a good answer for that so
2: well that's a good point because it's not like there's not you know there's no not enough money coming in from the AFL to do it
0: no no there's certainly a lot of money in the game at the moment all right guys let's have a look at uh the weekend and first of all to the ladder at the end of round 6 and the Adelaide Crows undefeated at the top of the ladder with a very good win over the Tigers in adelaide uh they are the only side left undefeated after six rounds, so well well done to them and probably Premiership favourites at the moment I think
1: oh definitely oh, anyway. they're playing they're playing very efficient football, they just punish any turnover they win every one on one, they're very strong in the contested game they they are the
0: Premiership leaders at the moment. well, they've got North Melbourne in uh Hobart, I think this weekend, so yeah, that's right. That could be a a challenge, North coming off the first win, but we'll get to that a bit later. GWS, uh, Geelong and Richmond all on five and one there uh, between second and fourth. It's a fairly even top four. Um, So some good... uh, Well, Richmond having lost their first, Geelong having got up, uh, having been beaten by the Pies, and GWS keep on keeping on. Yeah,
2: look, I I really wouldn't read too much
0: to the latter at this stage in terms
2: of the top... Even the top ten, top twelve, because you know we've seen how how quickly fortunes can change, and obviously you know Adelaide are uh, are the trendsetters at the moment with with their um, with their good form. But I keep saying it's a marathon, it's not a sprint, and your best footy you want to keep that for September. So, but you know, I mean, they're certainly they're certainly playing to what's been expected of their output at this stage. Mm-hmm. So it's not surprising to see Adelaide up there because people they. Uh, What's heading them last year is being uh, up there this year, and I think they're uh, they're going to be on track there, and probably wouldn't surprise me if they sneak in for a top four finish this year.
0: Now, fifth through seventh is West Coast, uh, the Bulldogs and Melbourne. Uh, sorry, the Port Adelaide, the Eagles and the Bulldogs. They're on four and two. Uh, Port and West Coast playing each other in Adelaide this weekend, which will be fascinating. Giving West Coast don't have the best record away from home this year. And Port are, are doing reasonably well in the last couple of weeks. It could go either way. Uh, the Bulldogs, Mike, um, perhaps not travelling as well as people would have expected. The Premiers.
2: I don't know. You look the Freo game we didn't play. Um, the, the game against GWS. So I'm not probably not sure if you actually saw it. It was probably one of the games of the year. Um, mm. At I'm not saying they're not playing well. Watch.
0: I'm just saying they're not yeah, winning yeah. as much as. We're, we're not,
2: we're not, look, we're not playing to our capacity. That's right. We're not. We're not playing to our capacity. And against again against GWS, we had yeah you know, six Premiership players not playing um, that day. and yeah. um, So we had a, a late withdrawal in terms of Tom Campbell, which meant that our only remaining fit key position forward had to then swing to to the ruck, So. We were certainly stretched and tested on that day and, and look, that was a game that was winnable for us and and we really kicked ourselves out of that game. We probably should have, um, you know, had that and had we we have been kicking straighter rather than, uh, you know, 12 or 13 goals to 20 behinds, it probably would have been a different story. But you know what? I mean, I'm not too worried about the loss. Um, I think it, it probably shows that both teams are going to be pretty good this year.
0: You know who I blame for the dog's predicament at the moment, Mike? Bob Murphy. I'm saying Bob Murphy is the jinx in the Bulldogs' side this year. He wasn't there for the for for a large part of last year. He wasn't there mm-hmm. during the finals campaign, and they won. I'm saying he's back yep. this year, and it's causing confusion and errors and losses. I'm saying you dump Bob Murphy, things go back to normal.
2: <laughs> well, well, just to debunk just to debunk that theory. After six rounds, we're in exactly the same position for win-loss ratios that we have been for the last three seasons. So after six rounds in 2015, we were four and two. Last year, we were four and two. This year, we're in four and two.
0: And who played in all those games? Bob Murphy. Who didn't play no, in the second didn't. half of last year? Bob Murphy. No, no, no.
2: Murphy only played in the first three games last year, and after that,
0: we were uh, we were uh, one and two. So, maybe I just made that theory up. But I'm just saying. I'm, I'm still blaming <laughs> Sir Bob Joy Murphy. The that's, that's all right. That's, I like, that's I like all right. to go out on a limb with my theories. Um, Melbourne bringing up the last spot in the eight there at six and three, along with St Kilda in ninth, Essendon in tenth, and Fremantle, who have uh, done something of a Lazarus and come back uh, to be three and three as well after uh, what was a poor start to the season. Um not really much to draw from there Essendon and Fremantle playing each other this weekend which will be interesting um but we'll, as always we'll get to that later Gold Coast and Carlton at uh 2 and 4 along with Collingwood Collingwood and Carlton playing this week in the Pies 125th anniversary game at the MCG should be a big one North Kangas uh, coming in at 15 uh, along with Brisbane and Hawthorne at one and five. What is going on there? Kangas? What what's, what's, what's the reasoning behind North not traveling as well as perhaps might've been expected at the start of the year? Just a lot of close losses. Unfortunately, senior
1: players not standing up when it's counting Uh better younger players, just tiring at the end of games, lacking composure under pressure. Is it? A lot of reasons you can all draw back to a close losses of 2013.
0: I was going to say, it's the 2013 season all over again, isn't it?
1: It is, but and it's the same senior players that do let us down at certain moments. They lack composure under pressure, and they you... make stupid decisions that they wouldn't normally make. And our style of play this year has been very run and gun down the centre, so we tend to turn it over more than other sides. So,
0: And you know who it's I not blame? When you know who I blame for this, yeah. Kangas, Boomer Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's not there. Uh, the he's reason? led he's what's led his reason? team down. He he went because they told him to, and you know, he's kicking goals and stuff. For, you know, some bunch North of Heidelberg, not there you go, North Heidelberg. And I I think he's the missing link. Another goal or two from Boomer Harvey, and uh, you might have got over the line in a few of these games. Of course like um, my previous... Well, maybe,
1: but his lack of defensive pressure might not have. Josh jo Simkin, Taylor Garner.
0: These guys are going to take his spot over the next couple of years, and I'm more excited by them, to be honest, at the moment. Apparently, all of my theories are going to get shot down in flames tonight. So, uh, you know, just... you know, That's right. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Clean up in Isle Wookiee at the moment. Uh, Sid- <laughs> the Sydney Swans bringing up the bottom of the ladder, which is... Probably the biggest surprise of the lot, well, the, the Swans and Hawthorne are down there, but the Swans, for sure, they were finals last year. Um, and here they are at 6-0, and zero and no sign of, you know... It, they were... I mean, they were the only team ever to be 0 and 5 and be favourites to beat a side on the weekend against Carlton, and they just... They didn't look like they were going to beat Carlton after half time. It was just... They collapsed, and... I don't know what there is to say about the Swans at the moment, but the, it's just not looking good.
2: I don't know. You, you would expect them to, to start winning a couple of games at the some point in time. Their list is not that bad, um, that they should be in this position. Um, I, I'm not up to date with their injury list, but, yeah, something, something's amiss there. And, and you know, for, for grand finals of last year, grand finals of 2014 and twelve, you wouldn't expect them to bottom out that quickly.
1: mm, mm. Well, key position or, players are the only ones they're struggling with, but yeah. really it's a lot of the over dependence on kids that they're just not quite ready yet. They're gonna be alright, but it's a bit of an over dependence at this stage. Mm. Carlton's
0: well, Caleb sorry, Carlton's Caleb Marchbank was the uh rising star for this round. Uh, the rising star nominee for this round. Uh apparently uh he didn't know that you could be a third year player and win the rising star. But there you go. Well, Interesting. Not really. Just not nice little tidbit of information. One of the one of the GWS uh, guys to come across to the Blues. Uh, Alex Silvani as well, coming across from uh, Fremantle and played a very good game on Buddy Franklin, who has been a very big thorn in the side of the Blues. So we were pretty happy on the weekend, I think. Anyway, Mike I interrupted you. I think. You, do you have something to say?
2: No, no, I was, I was just <laughs> going to say, um, I can't remember, I don't think Sydney, Sydney only lost Tom Mitchell, did not they, to Hawthorne? And then, mm. uh, so I can't think of any other players that they've, that they've let go over the uh, trade period. No, I mean,
0: Tippett's Tip injured again, but it's yeah. uh, there's no, no real major outs. They're just not going for it at the moment, which is kind of weird. But then again, the same could be said for Hawthorne, who traded out experienced players, and O'Meara really isn't delivering... Enough to cover no. what uh, the loss of um, uh, Lewis and Mitchell. Although how how big a loss Lewis is, given he's been suspended for half the season already, is no. I think <laughs> Mitchell. So. I think
2: Mitchell is Mitchell's a big loss there. M- Mitchell is um, you know he's sl- he's slower and he's slowed down, but he's still a very very smart player. And and you've seen in a couple of games that he's played for West Coast.
0: I do, I do want to say
2: uh, how much it can influence you know, the midfield structure. So I think Hawthorne and shot themselves in the foot there. Um, they didn't have to let Mitchell go for money, but that's the path they took.
0: I do want to say, the along with the rules that have been tampered with all the time, one of the other things I object to is this automatic assumption that players over the age of about 33 are useless to the game. Um, once you get to 32, 33, you're on your, like, year-by-year contracts, and then they, they try to phase you out, like Geelong did to Jimmy Bartell, North did to... Uh, uh Boomer Harvey. Um
2: well, he was through Petrie, Nick Del Santo. Yeah.
0: But I mean these are players that were still delivering. I mean Boomer Harvey might have had no defensive pressure, but as a forward...
1: Can I can I debate you the North ones? Petrie was he was struggling for a goal a game. Harvey he was probably the only one. Del Santo he he wasn't putting any defensive efforts in.
0: I'm not saying that this is applicable to every player that gets dumped after 30. I'm just saying that there seems to be this ongoing thing where a player hits 32, 33, and bam, the assumption is made, it doesn't matter how good a player you are, that you are no longer able to contribute for some reason and that you're suspect forever after that. Oh, he's 34, he's got to be on his last league. He's 35, got to be on his last... Whereas, you know, in the past, we would have had players like Craig Bradley who played until he was 37. Michael Tuck played until he was... You know five million or something so for forty
2: or as <laughs> old as God what did Kevin Bartler play until he was what, late thirties i
0: i think I think pl- clubs lose something when they automatically start looking to offload senior players that are still playing good footy in exchange for these inexperienced youngsters who may or may not deliver in the in the in the future and i think the I think football is poorer for it and I think it is absolutely appalling how we treat veterans at the moment in terms of football, and in the Army as well, but that's another story altogether.
2: Oh, look, Wookie, I think it's the evolution of the game, unfortunately. It's it's long gone from that suburban slow-grit game to a very, very fast-paced athletic affair, if you call it that. Um, you know, Certainly you're going to have the issue with older players now who are on the wrong side of 30 keeping up with the fitness level. uh. And you do have those and not only slight like players like uh, Nick Rewald who, uh, who is um, a freak in terms of his um, aer- you know, aerobic ability and ability to run all those kilometres during the game. But those type of, type of players are few and far between. And the pressure is to keep to keep uh, looking for those younger kids with the pace. Um, mm. and, well, and, you did... know, there is a pressure on the old guys. And when they start getting hamstrung by injuries, then... Again, it's another issue or another thorn that they've got to fight through. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's just the evolution of the game, Wookiee, unfortunately.
0: Oh, look, I, know, and We're
2: not going to yeah. have those guys like Kevin Murray who played till he was old as God in his 60s and, you know, kept, <laughs> Kevin yeah, it, Barton and so forth playing until their 40s. But, you know, I guess it was good to say we, we, we get to see that. But, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, in a, it's just related to the attrition of the game now and the, and the turnover of players and that age group target that the... Uh, that this seems to be targeting around those young athletic kids, um, and then once they start petering out towards their 30s, there's a lot of uh, spotlight put on them to, to question their ability to remain, um, you know, capable of that particular endurance um, and aerobic level.
0: I think the problem I have is that it's a skills thing. Like you learn, you learn so much over 10 to 15 years of playing the game, and that skill, that knowledge, that ability is lost at the expense of a player who may not even... A lot of players don't make it past their first 50 games. And if you've got a guy that's played 250, 300 games, and he's still good, he's still a good user of the footy, I, I think it contributes to our lessening of the skill in the game at the expense of athleticism. But, like you say, that's the evolution of the game, and we're bit more focused athletically than we are on other assets. Well, on skills. Yeah, on the the... skills
2: and capabilities. I mean, you look at you look at now, as I said at the start of this of the cast, the, the quality of goal-kicking now is atrocious. Yeah. And, you know, for the last couple of years, teams before they go out, when they do their warm-ups, they're not letting players uh, kick for goal anymore um, because they're in fear of pulling a hamstring or, or you know, pulling a muscle. Mm. Um, you know, all those skills-based focuses of hitting targets seems to have become secondary in terms of, you know, fast running and then we've obviously seen as things have evolved with you know the type of um, deliveries and the type of disposals that players are getting away with um, you know because they're quick on their feet and quick with their hands so whereas in the olden days you know they would have been pulled up for incorrect disposals and, and they would have been uh, benched or, or dropped for not being able to uh, kick between the two posts
0: yeah indeed moving on to this week's uh... Uh, round after my little rants are done. <laughs> uh, round seven starts Friday night. GWS again playing on a Friday night, uh, this time against St Kilda, who are uh, playing on a rare Friday night as well at Had Stadium. Um, how are we see in this game, guys? I don't know, all uh, at once.
1: That'll go at once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll go. Uh, St Kilda, very impressive against Hawthorn, so... This is going to be an interesting, close enough match. i say GWS will get on top of St Kilda, but St Kilda's playing really good footy at the moment. If they consistently apply pressure and work hard, they could easily win this game, since it's being a home game for them.
0: Mm. GWS, of course, playing in Melbourne, uh, which they haven't done much already this year, but they are playing some good footy. I think GWS could pull this one, Mike.
2: If if St Kilda can take the same or similar pressure that we took to GWS here, they'll be...
0: There you go. Uh, Kangas, Saturday afternoon, North Melbourne. have got Adelaide at Blundstone Arena or uh, Bell Reve Oval, as it used to be known. How are your team yeah. going to pull this one off?
1: How are we going to pull this one off? Pressure, 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 pressure. of football as well and winning the clearances. That's the only way we're going to win this. It's going to be fairly cold once again because it's Tasmania, as always. Predicted 15 degrees, bit of wind about... It's not going to be the nicest conditions for football. Basically, we need to make this into a contested struggle. If it's an open game, they'll thump us by 90 points. Let's just say that. Mike. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think probably
2: Adelaide comfortably.
0: Messenger's not here, so I'll say this: this is a game that you're going to want your kids not to watch. Uh, <laughs> I think the on- I think the only way North win this is if there's like a, a strike, an airline strike, or. Uh, if, um, you know, there's a hurricane that prevents anyone from actually getting to Tasmania on the weekend, uh, it's um, it's. A, I just don't see North winning this at all. It's just, they're not playing good footy. They're not playing well enough to even get anywhere near Adelaide, who are playing very, very good football at the moment. Um, interesting to see which pocket at Bell Reve Oval will become the Eddie Betts pocket for the week. <laughs> Apparently, well, it
1: depends he... if he keeps their bounds or not. Apparently he, he's got he one at every goals. Oval.
0: <laughs> so, Bell Reeve Oval a little bit different to Adelaide Oval for the Crows as well so it'll be interesting to see how they go away from home there as well uh, Saturday afternoon, the big game for the round in terms of crowds at least uh, Collingwood-Carlton Collingwood, uh, their 125th anniversary game uh, so some big events going on there for Pies supporters uh, for everyone else, not so much but uh, this game at 2.10, the traditional time slot in the afternoon as well so it should be a fairly big game as a Carlton supporter, if we play the way we did on the weekend, I think we can get over the Pies. But uh, Pies playing some good footy against uh, Geelong as well, guys. How are you seeing it? Could
2: go either way, I think. Um, what's the forecast for the weekend? Is there any rain on Sunday? <laughs> uh, no, it's a, it's a valid question because if it's if it's if if it is raining, it's going to be really really even, um, and I think it could go either way.
0: Oh, uh, forecast mm. says twenty degrees, possible late shower. So, maybe, maybe not. A dry set, a dry first half, maybe a wet second half. That'd set it up, all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I, I, I think okay, Kangas. What do, you, what do you think, mate?
1: Mm, watching the Collingwood, well, both games last week, both very impressive. I got to go with Collingwood just because I feel like they got more weapons in attack in terms of small forwards compared to Carlton. But Carlton were in the pressure and make it a bit of a struggle. I, I can definitely see them winning it.
0: I think Carlton's defence well, is okay at the moment as well. Um, I know again I speak as a biased Carlton supporter here, but I think our defensive side <laughs> of things has been. I think our well, defensive side of things. Well, are threatening
2: to unleash the goey, so who knows?
0: <laughs> well, we'll be shivering in fear of the Dugowie down at Princess Park, don't you worry. Uh, possibly a bigger game, though, Port and West Coast at uh, Saturday afternoon at Adelaide Oval. Uh, Port having won uh, the last two games. West Coast uh, winning very well on the weekend, but not travelling so well. This could be an interesting game.
1: Very interesting, uh yeah. Ports, or well, both teams, as you said, are in very good form. I really do see probably Port winning out in a bit of a dour struggle. I think there'll be... I'm not sure about the weather. I don't think it's going to be that great. i have to check that. But I do see Port winning out in a contested struggle.
2: Mike? Look at Adelaide Oval. I'm more inclined to tip Port, honestly, um, based on their current, um, their current performance, their current sort of where they're at and with West Coast. Um, we know they struggle away from home, so... I'd say Port by about two to three goals at this point in time.
0: Predicted to be dry and nice weather, so be a bit all right, chilly. There goes mine at the window. It'll <laughs> be, be a bit cold. It's been freezing over here, but uh, it's um it's it's going to be a sunny day, so it should be all right. Gold Coast have got Geelong Saturday night at Metricon Stadium. Interesting game. Geelong coming off a loss against the Pies. Gold Coast playing at home. They're playing okay footy at the moment.
1: Kansas. Yeah, it depends. This This game depends a lot. Watching Gold Coast, they, if you give them space, they'll kill you every time. They're very mm. quick. They've got... They're one of the best sides in the AFL at the moment. They're centre clearances. If they win the centre clearances and Geelong don't pressure them, they could easily win this game. But Geelong's more reliable, so I'll tip them.
0: Mike?
2: Um, I don't know. I, I, th- I
1: think this is one of those sort of games that
2: can really surprise you. Um... I would not be surprised if uh, Gold Coast um, were actually going to were actually to get up and, and beat Geelong. Just got a funny feeling about that particular game. Um, you know, whether whether Gary Ablett has a has a big game and so does Tom Lynch, um, but up there, um, a little bit warmer. Yeah, head says Geelong, but uh, I think heart says uh, maybe Gold Coast for a bit of an upset.
0: Okay. I really don't know. It could go either way for me. Gold Coast play well. They could, if they get open and out, I mean, mm. you could, it could. I mean, it could really open up. I think Geelong will win, but it, it'll be a close one. Mike, the Bulldogs on Saturday night also have Richmond coming off a big loss. Um, how are you all going to do this?
2: Yeah, I, I think we'll do all right. Um, Richmond are in a bit of trouble. With no tools now, then Curvis being suspended um, for his elbow, so it's it's going to have problems. We've got Tom Boyd uh, and Tom Campbell back. Um, we looks also looks like we've got Dixon back in the side this week. Maybe Cremery um, if he's if his hips okay. Um, we've got a couple of players pushing for selection. So I think uh, we're going to be. Um, pretty comfortable against Richmond there at uh, Etihad Stadium by about four to five goals.
0: Predicting a decent win. Mm, interesting. Yep. Kangas?
1: Yeah, Dogs too strong for mine.
0: Yeah, I'm going for the Dogs because I hate the Tigers. Um, no <laughs> other reason. <laughs> it's, um, it's one of those things. The Swans on Sunday have got the Lions at, uh, at uh, the SCG. Oddly enough, on a Sunday afternoon, this game right before uh, the victory take on Sydney FC in the A-League Grand Final. Not that any one of you will care, but uh, yes, the Swans have got the Lions at the SCG in what Messenger probably refers to as time to do the gardening. Um, But uh, (laughs) Messenger, of course, not here to defend any of these comments, but these are comments he has made in the past about certain games, so we can predict them... I could almost just record messenger saying things and just play it over certain games. Anyway, uh, the Swans and the Lions, guys. How are we seeing the this could, you, could, up, we?
2: could Could we? No, I, 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 I just I don't know. I've tipped the Swans the last couple of games and that hasn't gone out well. I tipped them against Carlton last weekend. Could we see Brisbane get up? Who knows? I, I don't know. I, I just don't know what's possible with Sydney at the moment. I mean, yeah, you would, ex- you would really expect uh, Sydney to beat uh, the Lions up there. You'd probably expect Sydney to beat many teams up there, but you just don't know with Sydney at the moment. They are so uh, cold. They're capable of, of uh, any really bad performance.
0: Yeah, I, I think the Swans might get their first game up here, but if the Lions can get moving, it could go either way. I mean, it's just hard to predict, isn't it? The Swans are just playing such bad footy, in the Lions, so they haven't been playing too bad, but... Uh, I don't problem know. problem
2: with the Lions, though, is they, they struggle to put four quarters together at the moment. That's their problem. They run out of puff. Um, yeah. You know, they, they came out and kicked 12 goals to halftime against us, and kicked another two goals for the rest of the match after that, so they come out guns blazing, which was good to see them doing a bit more competitive, but whether or not they can last a distance and stay competitive over four quarters. And that's probably the thing going against Brisbane, um, playing up at the SCG there. And, you know, I probably think Sydney will, will win, but it won't be a big win, probably two two goals thereabouts. But I'm just going to say that it would not surprise me if we did see another upset with Brisbane uh, beating Sydney.
0: Hmm. Melbourne have got Hawthorne Sunday afternoon at the MCG in what is sure to be a blockbuster fixture um i think this is their pink lady event for melbourne uh for breast cancer uh or cancer in general i'm not sure i think it's breast cancer but it's their pink lady event and they would like as many people to possible as possible to go down there and uh wear pink or put on a pink poncho or cover the field in anyway whatever it is um it's for a worthy cause they did this last year i think they had 15000 people on the oval after the game or something and whatever it was pink, and there was lots of pink. That's all I remember. And you can probably find more details on the Melbourne Football Club's website. But this game against Hawthorne, guys, can the Hawks get up? No. They
2: can, oh, they, they won't. They, they can, but yeah, I agree. They can, but they won't. I think uh, Melbourne comfortably. Um, Melbourne, we've got... Well, not we. They have got... Uh, young Hogan back. They've got... Uh, Uh, Who else? Um, Lewis back as well. I don't think um, Hawthorne will be up to it.
0: Here's a question for you, though. Is it time for the Hawks to get a new coach? I mean, after so long, someone was saying the other day that after so many years of having a very good coach, um, I think it was uh, Matthew Lloyd um, was saying that, you know, they had Sheedy for years and eventually you just need to hear a different voice because you're hearing the same stuff all the time. You've seen the mannerisms. You've seen it all. Is it just time to get a new coach in? It's
1: a bit too early in the season, isn't it, for yeah. a new coach?
0: Well,
2: is it, though? How long has he got on his contract? He's still got a few years,
0: isn't he? He's two, 2019, I think. So, yeah, so,
2: so this year, so two, two, three, four, two and a half seasons, so...
0: Revisited at the end of the season. Mm. Anyway, um, Fremantle and Essendon to finish off the round at uh, in Perth in at the main stadium there. Fremantle uh, doing okay, Essendon doing okay. They're both middle of the table teams. How are we seen it, guys? Fremantle at home. I... Sorry, sorry Mike. You're right, Mike.
2: I was just going to say, I do, I do find it interesting that uh, Nat in discretion was let go above MRP. So I was going to say with him playing, I'm, I'm inclined to tip Fremantle for that. If Fife if was going to be playing, I think Essendon would be in for a reasonable chance. But then again, seeing their uh, you know, performance last weekend um, wasn't really um, convincing either way. So yeah, I think I'm going to go for Fremantle by about three to four goals on this one.
0: Miami yeah, have... same Sorry. for me. Yeah, out at home for me as well. So that's round seven. Um, <clears throat> anything you guys are looking forward to on the weekend the most? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'd be happy. I'd
2: be happy for I win against uh, Richmond.
0: Yeah, I'd be happy to get it over the Pies. It's one of those games. Like there are four games a year you have to win. As, as a Carlton supporter, it's against Richmond, it's against Collingwood, and it's against Essendon. We beat Essendon, we lost to Richmond, so we've got to get the pies there. It's um, it, it's how it is. The rest of you, the teams, I couldn't care less if we win or lose against. To be honest, you got to win these games. If we can beat the Hawks, exactly. so I'll be a happy man, and that could be that could happen, and I'll be happy with that as well because it's been a while since we've beat them. I think 2008 was the last time. So anyway. Anything else you want to bring up before we go, guys? No, I think that's it. I'm telling you, Chief is going to be happy with how short these podcasts are getting. We've streamlined the system.
1: Well, we all live to serve Chief. (laughs)
0: That's right. (laughs)